What's up, man? How are you? <laughs> We're going. <laughs> Dude, I, I zoned out for a second. I didn't know, I didn't for... know you were hitting record. Yeah, I was. I, I keep forgetting that we, we pushed our, our little hopping bunnies back. Uh, a few. Just to keep you guessing. Yeah. Keep, we, keep don't know me what's on my toes. we don't know what's next. <laughs> on my paws. Keep you on your paws? Yeah. You bunnies. sicko, man. You sicko. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think they have paws. They have feet. Like a rabbit's foot. Oh, yeah. I don't think they have paws. Yeah, I don't know. Right. You need to look that up. I don't even know anything about our rabbits. And you're just making stuff up, man. That's all right. I'm just making stuff rabbit. up too. So I just like a, a rabbit foot. You know, the yeah. good luck rabbit foot. They don't yeah, call it a rabbit. No, paw. you're you're totally right. They call it a rabbit foot. Hmm. What makes it a foot versus a paw? Is it like the the padding underneath or something? Or because I think rabbits have padding too. I think. I don't know. What's a horse though? A horse is a hoof. It's not a foot. Why can't we just call it all? Well, it's because they have hooves. <laughs> they don't have feet. <laughs> yeah, they have got little gangly like toes. A goat, like a goat. But a pig is a what? Hoof? No. A hoof, yeah. Pig toe. Pig feet. Pig feet. No, but they feet. have a hoof, though, too, I think. It might be little weird toes. I don't know. They're tiny. They're two <laughs> hoofs. They split. I'm probably That's... wrong about that, too. <laughs> I think they are split. Definitely split, like a goat. Oh no, they're definitely hundred percent split. I know that for sure. I don't think Dude, it's I don't think it's the same as a hoof. Okay. You know how <laughs> I don't know. We should have done some checking research. Yeah. Before. <laughs> before we started this, see, this is what happens Freaking when you like just hit record. You well, it's because we're sweating from pickleball. That's why. Oh shoot. Yeah. You got up early today to play some pickleball. It's a it's fun. a fun. It's it's a ton yeah, of fun. I wonder, I wonder if it's for a certain demographic like age. No. Dude, I so? see all kinds of people playing it. You Young. Do? Okay. Young and old. I was just like wondering, it's like the older you get, the more like, oh, I like this. <laughs> Kids are like, that's stupid. I don't know. No, because Cage wants to play it. Okay. He, I, I bought a set, just two balls and two paddles the other day from Target. And they're, I mean, they're pieces of junk paddle, but it was just kind of an intro to the game because he's been talking about mm. it. And I'm like, how are you, like, how do you even know about pickleball? Right. And mm. we, we went to the park the other day and he's actually, I mean, we, we didn't play with a net. We just had a line and then we were just kind of hitting it back and forth, getting a feel for it. Right. And he, he did actually really good. So <clears throat> it's interesting. I don't know what makes stuff like that catch on. Like what? It's just, it's an interesting thing. It is so, weird because I hadn't really heard much about it at all no. until, I mean, I've heard it here and there, but it sounded like something old people played. You know, go on a cruise, play, play pickleball. I didn't even know what it was. Well, the first time somebody told me about it was it was one of our students, and oh. he plays with his dad, and they got a net and everything. Hmm. And they asked if they said, they said, "Hey, can we come to the the parking lot and you know ah. play pickleball?" And I was like, "Pickleball? Like what? <laughs> what is That'd that?" Be bad in and the he, parking lot with all that wind. Well, dude. he yeah, it would have been terrible, but eh, some days would be all right. But he, they were like, they were trying to describe it to me, and I was like. That it's sounds a kitchen. bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's like a kitchen. kitchen or you gotta, <laughs> I understand ball. tennis. I understand ping pong. So I kind of had a, a little bit of a working knowledge of I could imagine what it would be like, but I had never played until we went with our yeah. our staff. And then it was, it was I would have imagined it was more like racquetball, but it's really not. <clears throat> I mean, it's got a small paddle, so smaller racquetball is a yep. little bigger. But that's what I, whenever I heard pickleball, I always thought like a, like a, like a wall ball, oh, okay. racquetball type thing. But no, it's yeah. not like that at all. So. So just so everybody knows, Ruben is a lot better than I am at pickleball, except right. for the middle game. Oh, dude, come on. 
You said you said you would forget that stuff. It's been too recent in my history. Like tomorrow, I won't remember, but today it's still in my oh, head. Oh, today. So. Well, now it's alive for everyone to yeah, to as long as I remember this. Listen episode. always. <laughs> Though we uh, we played three games, we were only going to play two because I thought you were going to beat me twice. Mm-hmm. But we ended the first game nine to eleven. You beat me by two points. Mm-hmm. Second game we started, and what happened? I lost. <laughs> you were trying to get to the second. I, I got trying thumped. to get to the third game quick. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So was, I got but. beat eleven to zero. Eleven to zero. Did everybody hear that? Eleven <laughs> to zero. And that will be the only time it ever happens. It's really because I, I think that I felt, I felt like you needed a win. <laughs> <laughs> it was caring for me. That's what it was. Yeah. You were caring for me. <gasps> yeah, that's it. That was why. Dude, I was wondering why I lost so bad, but that's subconsciously was. I was like, you know what? Ray so you're needs not a, win a loser, but you were just trying to care for my needs. That's what it was. So you didn't feel like a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give Ray a win. I'm gonna just lose terribly. Yep. <laughs> I'm then, not gonna let him squeak out a win. I'm actually just gonna like give up. Just it's like it's like in Survivor where they throw the competitions, you know, or yeah, no, like a Big yeah. Brother or something, you know. I don't like, know about I'm Big Brother, but that. yeah, Survivor they just throw them. <laughs> they walk away from the challenge. Actually, this was the first season that I that I've actually heard them talking about throwing a competition. Normally, it's oh really? Not a, where yeah, at? Like, Big Brother? No, oh, uh, Survivor. Survivor, because normally like. If you lose, you We just started it, and nah, I'm not going to say it. We just last night started first episode of the newest episode, and I was going to say something, but I don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's (laughs) It's like what the whole, what the whole series is going to be about. I'm just like, it's been interesting. It's been harder for me to get into this season, but I think I'm, I think I'm in it now. There's some weirdos in this one, man. Like I'm talking like personalities, just strange. Dude. You're going to, once you get to, I think it's like episode four or five. I think there's four or five of them out there now. I don't know. Just one of the recent ones. Dude, somebody pulls up. Oh, it was a sick move, dude. I was so good. I was like, I was like fist pumping in the, in my living room. Well, it is an interesting thought to think about this, this series that we went a whole year without a survivor. Because I've been watching it since the very first one too, twenty years oh, yeah. ago. You know, I've been watching it every single ep- every single series, and so last year having no Survivor was a little weird. Yeah, that so, was interesting. Really weird, but that's a beautiful spot, man. When they show those islands and stuff, oh, so pretty, beautiful. So yeah. I was I was wondering how many days they probably had to quarantine before they went out there because there was no mass. They're just all together. You know, it's all those people are in a bubble for however long they're gonna be out there. Yeah, I wonder how. I guarantee they had to. Quarantine, oh, I tested, all quarantine the 14 days or whatever, and then yeah. 10 to 14 days, and then get tested before they fly I'm out. I'm glad they did, so we can have something to Yeah, watch. I'm glad they, I'm glad they, they yeah. decided to record so it. So Pickleball, middle episode, or middle episode, <laughs> middle <laughs> round, I I clobbered, like clobbered him, like spanked him for the first one. Then we came back the third round, and, and then I started one, caring for myself again, yeah, and so realized how like, bad it felt to lose. I'm no longer I... going to take second role. I got to win. <laughs> I got to win. <laughs> so I can't lose. What was the score on that one? I can't remember. I think it was Did like eleven to, six, to maybe, or five, six or seven, six, maybe. Yeah, so anyway, I was. It was a bummer because I was really hoping to. Yeah, I was really hoping to have a good story for whatever it's called, the third one. But oh well, didn't do it. Didn't happen. We're pretty well matched though. Eh, I don't know. You got some spinners on you, man, that I don't do. I don't take the chances, but I love the corner, man. That's back corner. Oh, yeah. You love over that back Ruben's corner. Left, left shoulder, dude. You're right in the corner. All right. You Ooh. just told me your secret. And now. There's no, gonna... You knew it, though. It's so obvious. <laughs> it's 
you come up on this, you come right up on the net, and I'm just yeah, like, oh yeah, good. right over your shoulder, ding. Yeah, and that's when I jump in the air, swat it down <laughs> on you. <laughs> All right, we'll see, we'll see how this goes over time. That's been fun. Right. So, well, I'm Ray, and I'm Ruben, and this is the Rabbit Hole Ramble. It's a podcast where we say the, the quiet, quiet part, part out, out loud. loud. Oh yeah, <laughs> redemption. Let's go. <laughs> nice. Well, today's episode um, is going to be a little different than normal. We, uh, Ruben and I, just uh, wanted to give a little introduction to our guests that are going to be on this week. Um, we, as you know, we've spent. We're, this is episode twenty-five. Crazy. I can't believe quarter we're quarter to away to hundred. Quarter or way to hundred. That's awesome. Oh, quarter. Um, this is our quarter episode. <laughs> nice. <laughs> It'll be worth twenty-five cents. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we say, twenty-five cents. Yep. There you go. But um, 25 episodes, we've interviewed several people, and then we've had one repeat um, guest, the only repeat guest we've had. Yeah. And uh, Swapna, as you guys know. We've had a great time interacting with her. Well, anyway, she has lots of friends and people that are in her uh, kind of her circle, her influence, and uh, she's been trying to get us to get with um, one of her friends. He's a physician um, here in Oklahoma City. Uh, his name is Anish. Mm-hmm. And he actually has a podcast uh, called Resil- Residency Rounds. And yeah. um, they, him and his friend, they're both physicians, and they talk through kind of the stresses of being a doctor. Um, this season, they, I think they're on season two, and this season is about philosophy and, and uh, looking at the uh, ancient philosophers, Aristotle, and so on. And oh, so wow. they're, they're going through talking kind of the, the, the mind and the way it works and interpreting certain writings and so uh really good guys so we're so we're gonna use this episode and interview uh them we're, we're excited to have them on and and uh talk with us about um what it's like to be a physician in okc and also deal with stress and deal with anxiety and uh boredom and whatever all so so it'll be a yeah that a, will be an interesting conversation yeah. from that perspective somebody who's in that world especially through the the season that we're we're, we've been through and are currently navigating. So, yeah, I can't even imagine the um, being in a medical field. Just the polarizing um, experience. It oh is. man! So, um, also uh, coffeeslingers.com dot com slash rabbit hole ramble. They we love them. They tolerate us, <laughs> but uh, they probably wonder every week why, why they sponsor us. <laughs> no, I think they're pretty excited about it. So there's people hey, that they, are subscribing. W- yeah, there's we got our first our first uh, rabbit hole ramble subscriber, which is amazing. That's so cool. If that's you. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, so coffeeslingers.com slash rabbit hole ramble for your coffee discount and the best coffee in the area. Oh, possibly for sure. in the country. Possibly. I've never. I'll, I've never had a better tasting cup of coffee, like actual consistent coffee. Yeah. Oh, every time. And so like, I mean, I've had more sugary drinks. Like it, it depends on what you want. Like if mm-hmm. you really enjoy the taste of coffee and appreciate it, there's no, in my opinion, there's no better, no better cup yep. that I've had. But I've also never, I've not traveled the world and had coffee. The first time I had coffee in Guatemala 
was before I started drinking coffee, and it was just like a straight shot of espresso. Oh man, it was so bad. You stayed up for three days. <laughs> oh, probably yeah. And it was it like it. We went through this whole coffee plantation thing, and then at the end, they gave you, you know, yeah. they grind. Uh, they would grind it and then uh, pull you a shot. And man, that's cool. It was back well, then. I was like, we're hoping to go to <laughs> we're hoping to go to Guatemala this next year on a on a trip so with coffee slingers so if you guys are interested anybody interested on this trip uh just let us know send us a direct message or email hello at rabbitholeramble.com and we'll give you the info because it'd be cool to meet down in guatemala that'd be kind of fun oh that'd be sweet wouldn't it that would be wherever you are in the country that'd be awesome no that'd be sweet yeah we could have a we could have a jack wagon reunion in guatemala We just lost everyone who was thinking about going. Oh, come on. (laughs) I don't want to go on a jack wagon trip. Uh, Also, a little update on Friar Ruben. Oh, come on. uh, Just a little update because we got updated and we left him hanging last time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. um, So here's what we decide. Well, Ruben more because it's his head. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, I talked with Jordan briefly and I think we could have made it happen, but we're going to save it for next year. Would you have been willing to shave your head at the end of November if I grew my hair out. Are you crazy? What are you talking about? That's what Jordan said she told you. No, I never. No, she didn't tell me that. She told Christy that. Oh. Because Christy told me that. And I was like. So I must have overheard her conversation with Christy. About. Yeah. And I was like. Because Christy oh. mentioned that. And I was like, no, I never talked to Jordan about that. But Oh, dude. So that's so you wanted me to shave year. my head if you grew your head out. Yeah. Dude, you don't want to see a bald ray. For a month. <laughs> I've got a funky you head, don't, dude. You don't want to see no, a you got a good head Ruben, for, a you got a good head for baldness. I, my head is right, like but I don't up. have a good because God created my head to be baldness. I'm gonna post an image that we got from one of our listeners, uh, one of our subscribers. Oh, um, <laughs> that they sent in a uh, t-shirt they sent in suggestion for a t-shirt suggestion, which I think is actually a great idea. So we uh, do need Friar Ruben, sort of and it's this going. picture of this little drawing of. Looks like Reuben. <laughs> it's looking so like a friar. Bad. And uh gonna call it the, the Friar Jack Wagon Reuben. <laughs> Reuben the Jack Wagon Friar or something like that. So anyway, it'd be a really fun shirt. I'd love to wear that shirt. That'd be fun. Totally. <laughs> it would be. So we're gonna have a couple shirts. Well, one of them's gonna be we like, sell them. tastes like flavored water. We should do. Rabbit Hole Ramper. That's gonna be one of our <laughs> shirts. It's like flavored water. Why am I drinking this? Oh. <laughs> That's gonna be one of ours. And then another one's gonna be Friar Reuben. And then the... uh other one's gonna just be Jack Wagon, you know that. that we, need to, uh, we need to. We need to. I'm like not sure sell. if Anish and Swapna are gonna like this intro to their to their interview. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> They're like, what? Happened? Why is this happening? Yeah, why is that? Oh, it's the rabbit hole ramble. So, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we if you have any swag suggestions, let us know. Hey, we also need someone that would run our social media because we are so good at it that we we've really peaked. And so we need someone to really take us to the next level. <laughs> yeah, we're basically professionals. So good luck like copping what we've so done. So good. <laughs> but we, we kind of need some help with it. It'll take one swipe of the thumb to realize that we're joking. <laughs> I wasn't joking. <laughs> yeah, you should have been. Uh, so if you're interested in helping us out um, for the total compensation of free <laughs> and free cents free dollars three dollars and free cents just let us know we'd love to put you on our social media to help us out so we need to get some good stuff out there so yeah there's some pretty creative people out there i'm not one of them oh i don't know about that when you want to be no when i 
it has got to make sense in my head. Social oh. media doesn't make sense to me. I see. Algorithms and all that. Ugh. I see. All right. Well, cool. Um, anything you're going, you're doing right now other than pickleball? Pickleball is the newest thing that I'm doing. And still, I started another project on our, on our house. So that, yeah. that'll, that'll be fun building some stuff for, for the church, for our Christmas program. So that'll be fun. I enjoy that stuff. Sweet. That's pretty much it. What about you? Um, nothing really. Just the same as always. I tried a different coffee at Summer Moon. I didn't like it. Uh, so don't tell anybody. But <laughs> <laughs> no, so they had during the last season they had this thing called a cider moon, and it was a base, but it's apple cider, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good! Like just apple like, cider steamed with with moon. their moon milk, and oh man, I'm telling you, it's just dangerously good. So, also my my cupcake place, they did upside down lemon cakes this last week. Like it was so good. I don't really like lemon. Oh, that's my favorite, dude. Ah. That's what hooked me into a cupcake was that this, it was a lemon, gluten-free lemon cupcake. Oh. Delicious. And then she hasn't made them since. And so last week I was like, hey, can you make some lemon something? And she made upside down lemon cake. Oof. Man. I think I bought six of them. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I'm into that. So, but anyway, yeah, things are good. Things are good in in my life. I, uh, Max is starting his basketball season. They won their first game Saturday. Sweet, so, dude. That's good. Um, yeah. So every Saturday from now until like the next 15 years, <laughs> it seems like it's going to be every Saturday for a while. Yeah. Cage Cage mm-hmm. and Maverick soccer season just ended. Sweet. And I, we were thinking, oh, yeah, this will be great. We'll actually have a, a little bit more free time. False. Right. This whole week is like every everything is booked. And we were like, we were talking last night and just like, I know. Why, why do we do that? Why do we do that to ourselves? Well, there seems to be like these spurts, like seasons where yes. we're free and then seasons where we can't even breathe. So I'm the same way. This week is the, f- it's like every night, every day, there's something going on. Boom, boom, yep. boom, boom. It's like nonstop. I was like, what the heck? I'm actually waiting to hear back from somebody that wants to get married. So I'm going to marry them this, this weekend sometime. So that's kind of a, oh, wow. You just never, you never know when's going to, when that stuff's going to pop up. So, all right. Well, very good. Well, this has been a quick, short intro. <laughs> it's probably like... So we may have to edit this thing down and cut it out because we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> Maybe we'll release this as a pre-episode and then release theirs as a separate episode because mm. um, it would be a lot of rambling for nothing. So we learned a few things, though. Yeah, we did. Clove, wow. Cloven hooves. Yep. Rabbit's feet. Yep. They have no pads. Close to... Close to hobbits. Hobbits. Yeah. Which, are, which are figments, so really close to human. I've seen some pretty hairy feet human. Arguments I mean, could be made. Arguments you know, could be made. I mean, my my feet are kind of hairy, dude. That's why I always have them covered up. <clears throat> there was this there was this bet going around that I wouldn't come out on stage barefoot, and I just couldn't do it, man. So that's what I would do. If you grew your hair out, I'd come out on stage barefoot. Oh. So that that would be a good trade. So Friar Reuben and Hobbit Ray. <laughs> but I'm a little tall for a hobbit. But, but. I'll do it. I'll do it. With, you gotta you gotta speak the whole Sunday sure. in without for sure okay, I, and I'll, I'll sing that audio adrenaline song. I wanna be your hands, wanna be your feet. <laughs> Go where you send me. Go where you send me. <laughs> gotta scream it out so I can lose my voice. You know. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> uh, but it's gotta be for a purpose. I 
Well, and that's where we decided. Sorry, we didn't even finish our story. So the reason that we decided, or Ruben decided, not to do it this season for No mm-hmm. Shave November is we were gonna we're gonna do it next season, and so we're gonna build up a some kind of cause, and so Ruben's gonna grow his hair out for sponsors, and so I think it's worth some money. I think everybody could drop a few bucks on it, and it would be. And then I amazing. and I would be glad to do it if I knew that it helped someone. That's my that's my yeah, thing. That's you his know? thing. I want to know that I'm not just doing stuff to do stuff. But it's actually meaningful and helpful. So our podcast is, we're going to do it as long as it's fun. And then Ruben's like helpful. And I'm just like, as long as it's fun. <laughs> so Ruben has the element of, of helpful. So, so yeah. that's, that's, we got that going for us. We were compared the other day to some other podcasts. I'm not going to mention their names, but I was like, oh, we definitely got to up, up, uh, up our game. Oh no. If we're compared to them, we are like, ugh, not even close. So in my mind. We're getting there. So we're getting there. All right. Well, this is the intro short episode for this week's real episode with yeah. Swapna and Anish. So we just wanted to drop in and say hi and then ramble for a little bit so we could get it out of our system. Yeah. And then so that way that way Swapna and Anish can ramble and we don't, you know, we've already got it. We've already we know detoxed. Swapna's a great yeah. rambler. Oh yeah. Anish, I don't know. I yeah, mean, we'll I've see. listened to his podcast. He's pretty serious, so you may think we're a bunch of fools. So, <laughs> so <clears throat> this will be right. a interesting, interesting week. So thank cool. you. Give us some feedback on our um, on on uh, Apple Podcast if you have an Apple phone or device, and then also we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email if you're if you'd like us to speak of a certain certain topic or anything. Let us know. Yeah. So all right, I'd love to love to ramble on about it. So well, <laughs> well, this is the rabbit hole ramble. I'm Ray and I'm Ruben, and this is the podcast where we say the quiet part. Out, out loud, a little late on uh, yeah, intake. Ruben. I was like, <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> Ruben's intimidated oh, in, this, uh, in this episode. Am I? I don't I know. I, maybe I am. Nervous. I don't know. Maybe you're nervous. I got a lot of things on my mind, so that's go. good. I really want. I I want to be in two places at once. I think that's what the problem is. I'm in another. If you can figure I that out, dude, place. you could be a billionaire. Maybe that's maybe that's how we can find get support for all of our hobbies and things go. like that. <laughs> figure out how to split do yourself in two. Yeah. <laughs> this right. thing called clone cloning. Yeah. But then that'd be a, a competition, man. That wouldn't be good. Yeah. Same person. Well, so I don't know how you do that. So. Can't. <laughs> well, we have two guests today. We're really excited to, um, to have this discussion. Yes. Uh, one of our guests is our one and only, not only return, but, Three times return guest. Return, return. <laughs> return, return guest. Um, the one and only Swapna. One of these days, she's going to be like, no, I'm good. No, she's going to say, yeah. move aside, boys. This podcast yeah, yeah. is mine. She's like, I'll take it over. <laughs> this is fun. Thank you for yeah. having me. I yeah. always enjoy chatting and having a conversation about things. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's been it's been fun. I was bummed to, to miss the last one because it was yeah. with Christy. I was in, I think I was in Michigan. You were in Michigan. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we did so fun. We oh, had so much man. fun, man. That I was, know that was almost like our best episode ever, man. So I don't know what that means. Yeah, but. maybe maybe you need to maybe we need to swap 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 you swap coke. <laughs> so we need swap to swap na. swap na swap with you? swap na with oh, me or Christy. And then I don't know. Better, it'll, you'll have a better co-host. That'd be good. <laughs> but we can't call swap na a jack wagon. So that's uh, yeah, this is kind of a bummer. We can't do that. So yeah. uh, we have another guest, Anish. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself, uh, Anish? Um, I'm uh, I'm Anish. Hey guys, um, and uh, first of all. Thank you for having me here. You yeah. know, this is uh, 
if someone invites me to sit and chat, now that's that's awesome. And then uh, you guys want me to do most of the talking. That's even better. Yeah, yeah. awesome. We got another but, rambler. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so I'm um, I'm a physician. I know Swapna going back like many years now. I don't know how many years it's been. But, um, Almost seven or eight years. Has been that long? Yeah, oh my it's gosh. been wow. a long time. Yeah. Hmm. And so, um, and I had mentioned to her some some time ago about the fact that I have a podcast, and I, she had uh, she had been through some changes in her career and stuff. So we kind of reconnected again, hmm. and then she kind of mentioned about you guys, and uh, <laughs> I heard the 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 rabbit hole ramble, the one that she was on. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. And uh, and then then she had mentioned that hey if you guys uh, if if you want we can probably all get together and have a chat and I thought yeah. that'd be that'll be great. Love so, it. Yeah. Uh, the person that we are missing on the table is uh, Eddie Leclerc, Edgar Leclerc, and uh, he's my uh, he's he's my, my co-host. Remember? Okay. He's like a, we should have brought him. We could have had like a oh, five man. people on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been cool. Crazy. <laughs> I obviously I informed Eddie about it. Uh, mm. He's he apologized. He cannot make it. Yeah. Uh, he's a he's a urogynecologist. He's a surgeon. So. He's He's okay. actually in the OR right now, and wow. he won't be able to make it. But wow. um, but I what I told him was I'll go scope you guys out, and if, if you guys are <laughs> yeah. not as sketchy, then uh, you show so up. So if he never time. shows up, we'll we know, know what we'll, we'll know what kind of report it's your you fault. Gave him. Yeah, I'm just gonna say it's your fault. Oh no, fault. I'm I I have to step out and like how much can I mess up in ten minutes? You know? I don't know. I maybe maybe a lot. I don't know. So Eddie's gonna listen to this for sure, and I'm sure he doesn't want to disappoint you guys. Right, so he's yeah. gonna be here next time. Oh yeah, that's good. Uh, if you guys have us over next time, so no, that's awesome. What's your, um, so you're a physician. What's your what's your specialty? I'm a cardiologist. Cardiologist. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm a hard doctor. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, but uh, another thing that I have to mention is that Eddie uh, is from Costa Rica. No way. Yeah. Oh, cool. I definitely got to get together with him. Oh yeah, wow. for sure. This is such a great story. The way that's awesome. Things work out. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was just sitting. Yeah, I was no just talking way. to Anish right before we hit record. Um, and I grew up in Costa Rica. Lived there almost 30, oh, 30 years of my life. And so. Awesome! I need to meet Eddie. Yeah, we have to, um, and I wanted to go to Costa Rica too. Just the uh, the way they have been able to turn their rainforest into a person. You know, oh, yeah. the rainforest has a personhood to it. Yeah. I mean, that's the uh, the epitome of conservation, right there. You know, when you yep. give something that uh, human rights. You know, I believe. That's the time when you really have evolved as a country and doing the right thing. So they have a they've had a goal since I was a kid. Um, they have a lot of protected. There's a huge percentage of the country protected mm -hmm. rainforest, but then they also have um, a goal to be a self-sustaining and non-threatening to the environment mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. They want to be the first in the world to be actually self-sustaining and green. We'll see if they can make it, but I but wish. they have a high aspirations. Yeah, I hope though. Yeah. I really hope. Yeah. You know, we need we need more of that. It's a beautiful country. It really is a beautiful country. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I hear Eddie talk about it all the time, and I really want to go. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe there's awesome. a trip in the future. You maybe know? the rabbit hole ramble needs to sponsor a trip, and we need to go. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe we should. I've mm -hmm. never been either. I yeah. missed uh, the church that I worked for previously. Went on several mission trips, and one was before I came on staff, and then the other one, uh, my wife was pretty pregnant um with our third that seems to be like an uh, a thing with you <laughs> okay 15 you kids 15 kids later yeah, there we go you <laughs> inflate everything dude i got four you got four okay. kids but it feels like it feels like 15 i don't know well yeah you're not living it dude so <laughs> it feels like 20 to me <laughs> no it's yeah. a lot of fun no, we'll definitely have to no. plan a trip that'd be awesome uh, i'd like that i'd love um, to go before we get too far in we have a coffee uh talk talk about the coffee real quick ruben coffee slingers coffee 
Goofslingers.com. You can get a 15% discount on all your online orders or subscriptions. Uh, today we're drinking Santa Sofia. It's pretty good. Mm, Santa pretty Sofia. Good. Yeah. It's good. So. Very good. So coffeeslingers.com slash rabbit hole ramble. It's good stuff. All right. Um, Swapna was, uh, has been on our podcast a couple times. We've talked about several different things. The first, the first one was just rambling everywhere and we ended up in the Valley of Flowers, which is very enjoyable and it keeps that keep that theme keeps, keeps coming back up and in our, in our lives anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but with your podcast, um, when, when Swapna told me about your podcast, I actually went out and looked and subscribed and began listening to your early episodes. Um, I, I have, what I've done lately is like early episode and then I come to your next season uh-huh. where you guys are talking philosophy and talking about your book reviews or I don't know if they're book reviews as much as they are the philo- philosophical thought right yeah. for the day. But tell us about the motivation behind two doctors, two physicians coming together and creating a podcast. Sure. Um, yeah. So the podcast is Resiliency Rounds. Um, uh, in medicine, we have what's called, you know, you round on your patients. Mm-hmm. And then you have what's called grand rounds. These are rounds where physicians get together and they kind of discuss a certain topic and things like that. And mm-hmm. so that was a play on that. So okay. Resiliency Rounds. Um, when we started it, it was more uh, geared toward understanding um, the uh, this this burnout epidemic that was going on. Hmm. Um, if, I don't know if you guys are well versed with it or not, but burnout—I mean, burnout—everybody faces burnout in day to day life. I mean, from policemen to firefighters, anybody involved in um, the human services industry at some point in time faces what's called depersonalization. Yeah. where they start uh, viewing uh, the people they're supposed to be serving as just, um, a, a, they don't view them as human anymore. And that's depersonalization. And that happens wow. to physicians, unfortunately. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And and you could imagine what that would feel like uh, to someone who's who's spent many years trying to um, train to provide care for another human being, stops thinking of that other person as a human being. Um, that's a problem. Um, but anyway, that's how it started off. And depersonalization is one of the features of burnout. Other ones are emotional exhaustion. Where you, and you know what? They also, as a, as a physician, you also feel like a loss of meaning. Meaning, that's correct. Uh, mm-hmm. Medicine is usually a calling for mm-hmm. us where we really are driven to it like you have been driven to your calling. So I feel like in burnout, it just seems to lose its meaning, the mm-hmm. purpose, the essential reason why you were attracted to it to, in the first place. Hmm. You seem to lose that. And uh, that's really hard because you're doing a hard job and it hmm. becomes impossible. So what's the what's the correlation like career-wise? Have you identified like specific careers that are high people-oriented that burnout seems to be like a common theme. Cause I, I think you said that we can all experience some kind of burnout, but the depersonalization side of it, I mean, we can totally resonate with that in our mm-hmm. line of work. Um, so have you identified careers that are more apt to burnout than others? Uh, well, I wouldn't say personally, I've not necessarily researched <laughs> that, but what I do know just out of just the lived experience is that uh, in any, from a professional standpoint, if you're dealing with other human beings on a day-to-day basis, Burnout is possible. And burnout can occur in other situations as well. I mean, veterinarians well, yeah. can have burnout. Well, but, sure. uh, but the one that um, I'm keenly aware of, just from my own lived experience, is that of a physician. But I can see the same thing happen with uh, with uh, policemen, with the mm. firefighters. Mm. You know, there are only uh, that many times where, uh, you know, you would, 
you would be you would do your own duty as like a fireman or or as a policeman and not get um um what is what would be the word it's like detached or emotionally detached yeah like kind of detached from what you're doing yeah right that's only that many traffic stops and only that many rude people and only that many cats being pulled out of trees before you <laughs> <laughs> i'm not yeah. sure they do that anymore but yes <laughs> just i've heard that in yukon i stopped doing that but <laughs> i'm just saying you know, no, i agree but, I agree, yeah. but eventually it becomes a problem but nonetheless um the uh, coming back to the point i was trying to uh, make is that we started off focusing on burnout because of these folk these features is depersonalization emotional exhaustion and finally a, a low sense of personal worth mm. wow. um and uh and all of those three uh, those three things um you do experience at some point in time or another as a physician sometimes starts off early on in your career as a medical student and then eventually uh even through your training as a, as a resident but you actually training to be a doctor with a with a medical license and then you go on to actually be an attending physician and then even later on in your career many many years into it it affects everybody um but it wasn't necessarily uh burnout that we we identified that to be a problem because simply because um um there are folks who um practice medicine in situations where um they see a lot more um angst um or they see a lot more how should i say like just a uh, uh, the the conditions that they're working in or working under the people they're working for um they, they aren't optimal necessarily um and they don't necessarily have a low sense of self-worth they don't necessarily have depersonalization any of those things but they have a lack of resources mm. and lack of resources leads to a type of burnout as well yeah um and uh, and that's a bit different from the kind of burnout that physicians in uh, in places where there's a lot more resources feel there's a difference there um at least that's what i started perceiving and when i started perceiving that i was like then what's the difference why are some people burned out um even though they are doing things that are very meaningful um like um working in conflict zones you know uh, as and why are then some folks burnt out when they are working in places where there's probable meaning in what they do uh they've chosen to be there their environments are really good they have a lot of resources but they're still burnt out there's a difference there yeah Yeah. And if I'm being clear or not. So yeah. two groups I mean would... like trauma difference maybe or well um or value of human life. I mean there's what are the So uh let's break it down so let, let me be a little bit more clear then. So uh a group where there's a, there's a lack of resources yeah. and there's a group where there's uh where there's an abundance of resources and there's burnout in both of those places. Right. So how is it possible? Yeah. Uh because you could imagine if you were uh if you're doing good work and you didn't have the tools and you see people suffering because you don't have the tools that could lead to burnout for sure right yeah. um but imagine a situation in which you you believe you're doing good work and you have all the resources and you're still burnt out what does that mean um because all people believe that the way to improve uh, burnout is to provide the resources right <laughs> you give them more resources they'll be better off for it now resources can mean different things like for some it could be time um and you could give uh, physicians more time and they're less likely to be burnt out you could improve their work life balance they could be they could they, you could prevent burnout and all of these things probably are true mm-hmm. um but at the end of the day um it there's a conflict there because if you have to provide care 
that's going to take you away from uh, the other things that you would rather be doing um or not not rather be doing but you also have to do competing interests like you got to be with your family but you also have to take care of a sick patient and right. you you choose that you make that choice when you become a physician you kind of make that choice so uh what eventually leads to you uh getting burnt out saying that i'm not spending time with my family uh because i'm taking care of this patient and that's burning you out when that's a choice that you kind of made when you got a god into this field so there's a lot of questions there there were a lot of questions in my mind the thing was i wasn't necessarily burnt out myself hmm. um i know a lot of my colleagues who were i wasn't i don't know just what my fever kind of felt these the, these features of burnout like depersonalization emotional exhaustion or low self worth you know I, i wouldn't say i felt burnt out but i've definitely felt like i want to know what what i'm supposed to be doing and be really intentional and mindful about what choices i make mm-hmm. because time flies mm-hmm. and it's it's easy to just kind of do the thing that you were doing without really reflecting or pausing and wondering whether this is what you need to do or want to do i feel like you know caring when you see patients or when you are trying to help in the, in this position you often take on pain and right. you have to hold space almost for that pain and that pain that you hold sometimes you don't really have an outlet for that you cannot really share that with anyone mm-hmm. that's sometimes really hard which uh, which can happen to police officers as mm-hmm. well which is almost like vicariously living the trauma that you are seeing day in and day out and so that that can be really hard and mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a difficult thing to do for for many many different professions that we encounter so i f- i feel like really in the last few years i've focused on self compassion as being kind to yourself as you would be kind to a to a friend or to to your loved one mm-hmm. and i feel like we uh, we are we are in the pursuit of success or goals sometimes forgetting that uh, it's important to be to be human to make mistakes and to really be kind to yourself and so that's kind of been the journey that i've been on yeah. for the past several years and it uh, it's it's interesting it's been it's been definitely surprising at many points i did not think i would end up here for example mm-hmm. today on the <laughs> podcast so yeah. so it's 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 an adventure in itself when i think when we we think about vocation and and the burnout with it, when it becomes this care fatigue where you're you're like what swapton says mm-hmm. you're taking on someone's burden and then personalizing it the depersonalization is the trying to cut that off mm-hmm. and not be human mm-hmm. well um so you're a, a cardiologist so you're dealing with physical matter mm-hmm. and um seeing how a, a heart would function properly swapna would work with the mind so she's a physician for the mind seeing how the mind would function properly and i would consider myself more of a spiritual mm-hmm. um physician mm-hmm. uh, dealing with the mind or sorry the heart or the the, soul. the spirit the soul the mm-hmm. the unseen <laughs> um so if you think about these three things it's kind of a trifecta the mind body soul mm-hmm. uh mind body spirit depending on how you, how you define it you can experience the burden or fatigue based on the burden you're carrying from yeah. the person that mean. you see in front of you yeah. you know and i and i think your your podcast is resiliency round is interesting because that word resiliency means something where there seems to be a lack of resiliency in a lot of fields mm-hmm. um 
and I don't even know if you've seen where that comes from or what you do to um, grow or build resiliency because there are tools out there, but a lot of people don't take advantage of them. I don't even know if anybody, if a lot of people are even aware that mm -hmm. there's tools to be resilient. So, you know, so I've not mentioned one of the tools is um, being kind to yourself. Yeah. But, you know, um, what are your ideas about some of the other tools that are out there for, from a resiliency standpoint? You know, for, for being resilient, you kind I feel like it almost needs, you need a village around you to mm. help support yourself. It is not something that you do in isolation. So mm. I feel really good social connections mm -hmm. and then good rituals of of exercising and slowing down and pausing and reflecting. All of those are kind of built in. And as older cultures have really honed on to this, we have deep rituals around which really are fostering the wellness in the community. So I feel like some of the traditional ways that we would do things, for example, in India, we had all these community social mm -hmm. gatherings which maintained connections and broke the rhythm of the day-to-day -day life were important in fostering resilience. So I feel for resilience, it's a personal practice as well as really a community practice in which you're you're grounded and entrenched in the community that supports supports all members of its tribe, so as to speak. Mm -hmm. And the Western world, I think, is becoming aware of the need for these traditions to go beyond because Western America is very non-traditional, even though there's a tradition here. Mm -hmm. But as far as like traditions, like um, things that you do as a community, um, you know, we have Thanksgiving and Christmas and Fourth of July, you know, it's, like, it's really like the traditions. Right. But there's other traditions in the world, Latin America, where I grew up, um, that actually are in a cadence or a rhythm that draw people back to a foundation. And there's a lot of that that we don't have here in mm -hmm. the United States. And so the the self-care in the rhythm of you know wellness as far as like exercise and, and traditions, um, we have, for some reason, you know, when the founding of this country kind of like disconnected ourselves from that. Uh, there are pockets of community that have their own traditions, but you know, here in Yukon where we are, they have a check fest. I'm from the outside, I'm an, I'm mm -hmm. an immigrant, and I look at it and I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah. But for here, it's a big deal. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think maybe every community can do it. And it's a way to reset, you know. I think um, compassion, uh, uh, physical activity, it brings us to be human size. And I think in, in all of our careers, we can elevate our minds to be something we're not. Correct. And uh, once, you, once you're bigger than you actually are, <laughs> I think burnout comes because then you realize how human you are. You know? It's a good way of looking at it. So yeah, so then if you were to break down what you guys said, uh, which were great points, by the way, is that there are two aspects to resiliency. One is this aspect of the self, mm. uh, and then the, there's an aspect of, of one as part of a community, right? Yeah. And uh, yes, both of those kind of lead to resiliency, um, and both of them are important for resiliency. Um, but now if you, if you were to look at uh, burnout, I mean, burnout is the same way. They say that there are what's called systemic factors that extend beyond the individual, and then there are individual factors. And uh, the the debate in the medical community right now is that uh, physicians are considered to be f resilient. Uh, as a matter of fact, there are certain scores that have been developed um, to measure resiliency. Now we could all argue about how valid those scores mm -hmm. are. You know, right. how do you measure someone's resiliency? Right. But they do measure it, and they say that uh, physicians score very high on resiliency scores. But uh, even those who score high on resiliency um, have burnout. Yeah. So 
that means you could be resilient and you could still burn out. That means that it it's not the individual that um, um, it, it's it, it's not individual factors that lead to burnout. It's actually systemic factors. Mm. And so the way to deal with burnout is not to deal with the individual. You actually deal with the system. Okay. Um, and so is it like a fuel tank though, like a resiliency. Would you think of it as like a fuel tank where it depletes? That's why. Because I mean, if you're a physician, you've gone through incredible <laughs> education. You got to be pretty resilient mm -hmm. to even get through the training. Uh, so maybe that's some of the callus that's built up, mm. uh, but it's still fuel that is mm -hmm. depleted, and eventually you deplete it. And so uh, I see, I see your point. What you're trying to say essentially is that is it that you start off resilient, and as you go through your resiliency drop. So um, what they did was they actually looked, they, they were all comers. They looked at medical students, and okay. they so when they did the same study in medical students, what they found was that when medical students start out medical school, they score high on well-being and um, resiliency actually higher than uh, their peers who are not in medical school. Okay. But within a couple of years of medical school, it flips. <laughs> <laughs> They're worse. They're doing worse. So Because um, they feel terrible about failing those tests, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not actually, good at math. Ah. <laughs> they're probably doing well. But pr what happens is that, uh, you know, medicine subselects for a certain type of person. Mm, yeah. uh, someone who's yeah. a, you know, who's a go-getter, who holds him, uh, himself or herself to a very high standard. And even if they're, and for the, for, for most of their life leading up to medical school, they've actually been doing better than most of the people around them. And suddenly right. they get pooled in to with, with other go-getters, other type of personalities. Other little gods, yeah. Right? And so yeah. then now suddenly you find yourself, you know, um, fighting for you, their place. And mm -hmm. so, and, and plus they're, it's rigorous. Medical school initially is very rigorous. But nonetheless, there was though a correlation that if your resiliency scores were lower, your burnout was higher. So there is some correlation yeah, there. So you can it. have high resiliency and burnout, but lower levels of burnout. Mm. We can have lower levels of residency and high levels of burnout. So there's something there. So now if nobody believes the necessarily that this is all just the system or it's all just the individual, we realize that there is a little bit of both. And so now they've done lots of uh, trials where they've tried doing uh, individual level um, residency building and they've done systemic level changes like improving um, certain processes in a physician's workplace where they could uh, they could get done sooner, or maybe they don't spend as much time at work. They spend more. They can spend a little bit more time at home. So that'll be a little bit more systemic. And then they've also increased the individual components of you know meditation, mindfulness training, yeah. exercise. And then they have looked to see uh, the benefits from that. And what they found essentially that both of them work. One is not any better than the other. Yeah. Um, so, uh, when, so when we started out though, when, and that's why the season one of our, our podcast, we didn't believe necessarily that this is a systemic problem. Okay. Because um, we believe that, um, that a lot of the angst that a physician is going through is driven by their own view of what's going on in the world around them. And that, and the reason for that, one of the main reasons for that essentially is because of this dichotomy that there are places where there are low resources, but the physicians are engaged in their work and they are, and the burnout exists because of the lack of resources and not for the mission. And then there are places where uh, there is abundance of resources and burnout still exists, mm. you know? And so that means that it is not the resources, it's not the system. Uh, and, but and, you know, I, I would argue that 
what you think of a system is the community mm-hmm. so it's always both factors mm-hmm. right the self yeah. self is your your own individual factors and then the system around you would would be the community that mm. you work in or are surrounded by so well, and how you approach it too i mean how you approach that community makes a big difference too mm. that's true yes so i i feel like a lot of physicians often also have this uh, syndrome called imposter syndrome where mm-hmm. they feel like they've just kind of been lucky and they really don't <laughs> deserve <laughs> mm-hmm. it's very human yes, yes very, very human, human. Yeah. so uh it's kind of like a fluke that you get to this place and uh which uh, which is demoralizing because you really didn't do anything special or you really don't deserve or you're really not as smart or hmm. as knowledgeable as uh, you're pretending to 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 be <laughs> so a lot of things are, are well in my experience sorry to interrupt you but you you, know, you, cross, you cross your fingers and you say okay when i hit 30 then I'll actually be there and be smart enough. <laughs> and then 30 comes and you're like, okay, okay, okay. If I hit 40, then I'm going to be smart enough to be there. And then you hit 40 and you're like, oh, when is this going to happen? <laughs> is everybody pretending, you know? <laughs> right. And no one wants to say anything because nobody right. wants to put away the facade, you know, right. pretending. <laughs> right, that's true. I guess we d- we did the episode on you belong where yeah. our main focus was just that you really do belong and you really are part of this bigger picture and are contributing. And so... the imposter syndrome is like exactly opposite of feeling that you uh, belong because yeah. you're feeling that you really don't belong in whatever place you are you are at this in the moment how connected is that low self esteem like personal worth low 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 sense of personal worth and depersonalization because you almost before you depersonalize the people you interact with you almost have to do it to yourself mm-hmm. so how connected are those two that's thoughts? a great that's a great question so um so first of all to swapna's point you're right your argument holds and i completely agree with it because when i started out i thought it was all just the individual there's no role of the system in this and and mm-hmm. by system we mean community it could mean the community could be political it could be social mm-hmm. uh, it could be medical like you know, absolutely not related to either of the two but nonetheless um and now as time has gone on and more I've, the more research i've done on this the more i've kind of looked at it myself i've realized that just like the study show there is both of those components to it both individual and systemic and both of those need to change um like we said we are kind of complex yeah. uh, organisms you know we're yeah. not just a person we are part of a system um so so then so coming back to the question about because uh, your question essentially was how are low self esteem and deep and sense of depersonalization how are they uh, related to the in how how are they interconnected yeah, like, like in, to the, in to order the they got to be connected somehow and and how do they play on on the self as opposed to right. uh how, how the the person's reflection onto others right. so that's a great question and that and this is amazing that how we came to this so um because that's what it led to us to, to that's what we realized Eddie and me both realized that the concepts the stuff that we are talking about has got nothing to do with us being physicians yeah as a matter of fact being a physician is got nothing to do with this feeling of this angst that we are having so what is this angst and why does it exist it is not unique only to us and so that process of figuring a first figuring out that there is something amiss and a lot of people describe that as an anxiety Uh, there's a, there, there's this feeling of anxiety you you find yourself lost like you know what's going on like where am i do you feel a little tightness in your chest there's mm. this uh things are just 
not right. Mm-hmm. You cannot focus on things. And it happens a couple of times in our lives. Um, it really doesn't happen much when we are in that, when it happens early on in our teens and 18, 19, this is I'm talking about my lived experience. It is more pertaining to uh, you embarrassing yourself in front of somebody. That's a right. big deal. Right. You don't want to, you know, that's that's an anxiety. Like, what am I wearing? It, you know, how am I looking? What am I saying? Are people going to think I'm funny? Are people not going to accept me? That's an anxiety. But eventually that passes. Um, and then the anxiety turns into, am I going to fail? Uh, my entire life I was told that if I meet these metrics, life will be good. I don't want to ever step off this train because if I do, I will fail. I can, I see failures around me and I don't want to be these people. I want to succeed. <laughs> yeah. And so then the anxiety is driven to, I don't want to fail. And those metrics are not just pertaining to, you know, educating yourself. Or, it is also pertaining to finding someone to fall in love with, uh, yeah. you know, getting married and having kids and do all those societal metrics. And the metrics that come with, you know, your your professional metrics, like you're meeting all the requirements as you go along. Um, and, uh, in, and eventually, though, when all of that is said and done, you have, in my case, I was very fortunate um, and uh, that uh, I came from a family that took very good care of me. I had very few uh, needs. I never had a need that went, that went unaddressed. I had wants and r- rightfully so I didn't get all the stuff that I wanted <laughs> right, <laughs> and my right. parents were we were middle class uh, growing up and my dad was in the army um, we lived happy contented lives so got a lot of rich experience very good education uh, the right values growing up um, very hard working dedicated and all of that so um, I hit all those metrics because I had them had I had the the backing of my family some people don't you know right. um, I had all the resources and some people don't um, I found the love of my life, got married to her, had, you know, beautiful kids. And uh, from a career standpoint, everything also lined up. And uh, I did everything that society told me that if I do, I would be happy. And uh, I finished my medical education, got my first job at the age of 35. Prior to that, all my anxieties were related to the fact that I was still in training. So do you have these, exa- the anxiety is that if you slip up, you would be the imposter. Like you don't deserve to be a cardiologist, man. You know, right. uh, I would never, I would never agree that I did not know. I would find the answer or I would get out of there before someone asked me because I, the last <laughs> thing I wanted to say was I didn't know. Right. And that was my biggest fear. My biggest fear was being caught saying that this guy doesn't deserve to be here. Yeah. And, and, and I was, I was just immature. Yeah. And this I'm talking about in my thirties, like you said, right? The thirties. And, 35, I get done with uh, with training. And here I am now supposed to be um, a part of society, contributing to society. No more training. Um, I'm now a man. Uh, <laughs> J- June 30th, 2015, I was still a trainee. And July 1st, 2015, I'm now a man yeah, supposed you're, to you're be, there. yeah, I'm suddenly there. Right. Um, and, uh, and I didn't, I didn't feel that I lacked anything. I had all the, the training, I had all the societal metrics to, uh, to guide me and I should be feeling great. Yes. There were some initial, uh, stresses related to starting a new job and those kind of anxieties, but a year into it, a year and a half into it. And I'm like, why is this feeling not leaving me? Hmm. I have everything that society told me that I need and more. And I still have this angst. I have this pain in my chest and I've, I feel like there's something that is lacking. What is this thing that is lacking? 
And then I started filling that void with things to do. I said, you know what? It cannot be just my job. I need to start doing other things. Um, and I was always an exercise enthusiast and I used to work out a lot. But then I really started working. I was like, I'm going to do CrossFit. That's what I'm going <laughs> It's basically an obsession. You got to find something oh, yeah. to fill the void. And uh, I really got into it. Um, and, uh, you know, if you've ever, have you ever done, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're, oh, yeah. you still do it? No. No. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, there's, uh, there's, you know, CrossFit is great. I have nothing, you know, really bad to say about CrossFit. The problem with, with it was me. You know, I, right. I was not conditioned. I spent my whole life behind books. You know, I was reasonably healthy, but not so much so. Uh, and I took up a sport, which CrossFit is a sport, right. um, that is meant for elite athletes. And, you know, if you're young enough and you don't really carry too many scars, you can do a lot of things physically. Uh, and the thrill of it was I'd never done these things before. And right. as I started doing them, you have enough coordination, enough ability that you see yourself just turn into this physical beast that you you, you never knew was locked inside of you. Right. And it was the greatest feeling ever. I spent those from 2016 is when I started doing CrossFit for the next two and a half years, everywhere I would go, everybody <laughs> I would meet, I would convince everybody that this is the panacea and because I was feeling great. Yeah. No longer had the angst. I didn't have the anxiety. My voids were filled. I was like, this was the thing that I was looking for. I have a, I have a job, I have, a, I have you know, social security, but I didn't have um, a goal, a purpose. And now I found it. Yeah. This is going to be it. <laughs> As I'm saying it, I'm actually having a little bit of that pressure in my chest right, right, right now. Right, right. Uh, I was at my peak physical form. I was doing stuff I never imagined I'd be able to do. Like I was running, you know, there, there, there are people who probably, who, who laugh at this because they could probably do it, but I could never do it. But, you know, I was wearing weighted vests and running like sub eight minute miles, wow. yeah. throwing weights around like crazy and all of this. And then I started developing back pain here mm -hmm. and there. And, you know, and I was like, ah, this is expected. You know, I'm kind of running myself uh, on high gear all the time. And so it's expected. I started rolling around flexibility stuff and I was doing all of those things, everything that I could research I was doing. Uh, and I was like, you know, I, I felt uh, like, a, like a wall of bricks, like nothing's gonna happen to me. And then one day I couldn't get off the floor. Mm. Yeah. Um, something broke in my back and I just couldn't get off the floor. And here I was running with weighted vests a day before, and now I can't get up to even go to the bathroom. Mm. And you lay on the floor and you, you know, sorry for things, but you're to piss in a pot yeah. because you cannot move. Right. And um, I spent three days just looking up at the ceiling and my kids would come around me and say, dad, how are you doing? And I was on literally on the floor. I couldn't get myself up onto a bed. And uh, finally I told my wife that I need to get to the hospital. Like, uh, And I, we arranged for a med ride. Guys came in, lifted me up onto a gurney, took me to the hospital. Um, and, you know, I, I had ruptured a disc and ruptured it so bad that, um, it had compressed the nerves, all mm -hmm. the muscles around that area were spasm so bad. That was the pain. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, now thinking, looking back at it, it wasn't like, you know, I lost a limb or got diagnosed with cancer, but to go from feeling physically invincible to feeling like you're debilitated, you can't yeah. do anything by yourself. 
um, came as a shock to me. That's hard. That's terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. It, and, you know, people have worse things happen to them, right? Well, the wall, though, hitting and then finding the angst again that you had left aside. Right. Yeah. And, but more than that, more than, so I'll, I'll come back to it. There's so much that happened that, so around the same, my dog died. Mm, so wow. this happened and my dog died. Physical, emotional. Oh, yeah. Right and there. and I was, I remember laying back down, looking at the ceiling of my house, going, how is it possible mm. that I am, I mean, here I am, I'm, I'm a cardiologist. I'm, I was in the peak physical form. I'm, I have money, I have, uh, I have a family, I have self-respect. I have all of those things and I have no control. It just took me doing a freak workout accident and my dog dying to realize that I have no control over my life. Wow, yeah. How is it possible? Wow. And why is it that I'm not happy? Mm. Why am I unhappy? And you know, that <laughs> if, you, if you've had that, have that happen to you or not, but when you spend a lot of time with yourself, you realize how much you don't like yourself. <laughs> and yeah. the reason you don't like yourself is because you never spent time with yourself before. There you go. You've always wanted to be someone else. Yep. And uh, and the person who you truly are inside is actually not someone that you like because you don't have self-respect. Mm. That hit me like a sledgehammer. Because I couldn't answer a simple question. Simple question is, what is happiness? I couldn't answer. I mm. can tell you how the heart works. <laughs> but I can't tell you what it is to be happy. Mm. And if I can't answer what happiness is, how can I be happy? Mm. And that's... This didn't just happen to me like over an hour. It took me three days of wallowing in my own secretions and in pain and feeling like absolutely nobody to realize that I didn't know anything. Hmm. And well, but your answers change, right? As you get older, your you change and your questions to yourself change. I don't know if you ever asked yourself that question when you were younger because you always had the next mountain you were going to climb. And That's a great an analogy is the is the is the second mountain. So the second mountain is what we come to in our 40s where you have done the first mountain, <laughs> yeah. you have reached the peak and that's what Nelson Mandela says. Is, this is Dan Brooks. I think it's a book called yeah. The Second Mountain. I think Dan Brooks is the author for it. Well, we're not like, equipped with the right questions to ask um, because the questions we asked, like like we asked teenagers and, and people that are starting college, what do you want to be? We don't ask them, who are you? Who and are so we don't ask them the right questions. And so then we're not equipped with the right answers. And then we come to this realization when we hit a wall. And you guys yeah. have the perfect questions. You are exactly, you guys are leading me exactly where I was trying to go with this. This is, perfect. Yeah. This is beautiful. Yeah. Um, but it still goes to show that you could be in your, I was, I was 30, 37, 38. Yeah. So you looked perfect, but you didn't feel perfect inside. You, I didn't know who I was, Vapna. Mm -hmm. yeah. You see, well, you're talking systemic and societally, that's what our society wants. They want you to fit a mold so that you'll play the part in the society. That's like systemic. I mean, that's the systemic part. That's the systemic part of this question, right? There's yeah. that, and, and yes, I could blame society 
for well, I mean, where it's I not was. The blame, but or, it is. Or just the culture, like the part, culture yeah. shows you the path of which boxes you need to check and what it lights it up for you, and you walk the path. And maybe at some point you come at the end of that lighted path and say, "Okay, now what's the next mountain, or what's the next? Who am I really?" Because mm-hmm. maybe before you don't even have the luxury of being you and being in some way successful with all the other check boxes that you are given so i feel like some of what you describe is a process for all of us all of us kind of come to this point of having reached somewhere and then questioning okay what what i have what have i really done so uh, what leads us this is a question for both of you guys what leads us to the point where we ask ourselves this question <clears throat> this question of who am i what is the meaning of life and i guess for me that has changed over the years like as as things change around me i've found new meanings and new ways to be as i've gotten older so i feel like that's an evolving process and the answer cannot be just one answer or one size fits all it it evolves right now being a mother is part of the answer for me being a witness to my children's life and being kind of there is is part of the meaning for me but it might change tomorrow so i feel like like even having that faith and trust in in yourself and the universe that you're going to find a way that works is something i i feel i've come to not having all the answers all the time but just having this faith that it's going to be okay right so that's the answer I, i i didn't frame the question correctly what happens to one to a person that makes them mm. ask themselves that question mm-hmm. what do you guys think i have a i have a, a long answer like a ramble answer uh, which i'm good go at go for it <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i can it's part of my story and so um almost like a really fast answer is i think the only way that people begin to ask that question is some kind of crisis. So there's got to be a crisis. And so that's the fast answer. In my journey um kind of along my path, I'm 44, 43. I can never I think I'm 43. I'm <laughs> 44. My wife's going to kill me. <laughs> I'm something over 40. So you when I was 18, um I left home. Uh, I w- I grew up like you did, a very stable home, loving parents. uh opportunities um education was was something that my parents wanted me to have they didn't pay for it but they <laughs> pointed me on the path for me to to get it um growing up internationally i had lots of experience a lot of a lot of adventures um my life was very well laid out for me and if it was just a path that if i would just step on but one of the ways god created me was to be rebellious and so i have this like i have this nature in me that that bucks any kind of path And so when I was 18 I was not at home I was on my own I was working I was experiencing different people um different upbringings different lives and I was going to school I was trying to uh, get a career I was going to be in communication but also kind of bent towards uh, spirituality um and so as I was going through the motions of what was laid before me um I was coming home from work one day and I it was at 10:30 at night and I was having a a crisis in my heart it was like a It was almost existential. It was um is the path you're on the path that you're supposed to be on who are you? And I just for some reason asked myself that question. And I don't even know why that question popped in my head, but it was a question that I was like 
who are you? And is this path that you're on the path you're supposed to be on? Um, because traditionally, and even in my family history, I was on the path I was supposed to be on. So I was pulled into one thing I used to do when I go to when I go to work or go, come home from work to the dorms is I'd go to get fast food. Uh, it was late at night, so Burger King was open. So I pulled into Burger King, and it started raining. And I'm sitting in the Burger King window, and I ordered a Whopper. Well, before I could pull around and get the get the Whopper, I just said, "I gotta, I gotta pull over. I can't." I just pulled into a parking spot, left the order, didn't even tell them I didn't want it. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "Okay, who are you? What is going on?" And so I grew up in a faith community. And so I was asking, okay, God, are you real? Are you not real? <laughs> is, is there something supernatural here? Is there not? Is it just physical? What is it? And so I said, I'm not moving until this answer comes to me. I can't even say that there was any, oh, there was nothing. It was just like almost a shift in my soul that was like, it's going to be okay. Um, the path you're on may not be the path you're supposed to be on, but keep asking questions. Um, is faith real or is faith not? And faith, that's really what it is. It's like... It's faith. <laughs> it's like you can't you can't describe what faith is. And so I left that parking lot with a shift in my in my spirit, in my mind, in my body. And so I went back to my dorms. I went through the motions, finished school, started a career. I moved to Oklahoma City with my wife, met my wife, had a we had a great relationship, great marriage. We still do. Uh, 24 years we've been married and it's been a blast. Well, I moved to Oklahoma City and 9-11 was another crisis for me. It was like a it was almost like a knock on the head. You know, like, so you're living your life in business, making money for the company. Why? What are you, what are you doing? Who are you? Again, you know, same question. And it shifted my life to actually move out of the country, take my wife. We moved to Central America. We wanted to do good. We felt like our lives were about other people, not about ourselves. And so we began to do this process of trying to do good for a community. And so along the journey, though, the crisis has actually come up multiple times in my own personal life. Um, and coming to Oklahoma, I've talked to Swapton about this. It was a crisis. I was like, I don't want to move to Oklahoma. I live in Costa Rica. Why would I want to move to Oklahoma? Right. Um, you've probably lived here longer than I have. And I know she has. And I'm like, why? I don't get it. You know. But it was a crisis in my faith journey that caused me to ask the questions, why am I here? Who am I? Um, what's interesting about that is, to Swapton's point, when, when you believe that everything's going to be okay, you're on this ride and it could be a roller coaster, but it's going to be okay. Um, Jesus himself said, Hey, if you're, if you have a lot of burdens, throw them on me and I'll give you rest. Cause what we end up doing is picking up all the burdens that we shouldn't be carrying. And so just give them to him. And if you can do that, the community, the one another's, the, the working with people, if I, if I wanted a supposedly easy life, go live in a cave, it would be miserable because then I would never bump across people that would make my life better. You know, I'd be by myself, maybe have peace, but internally it wouldn't. So um, all that long story to say was well, since I've been here, uh, the question I ask everyone is, who are you? Kids, teenagers, I don't care what they do. I don't care what their career path is. Who are you? You know, why are you here? And I think that's the discovery. And I think changing the perspective. Um, I'm a person of faith. You work on the body, you work on the mind. You end up misdiagnosing people sometimes based on your career path. And so if someone comes to my office and says, man, my heart hurts and I just have some anxiety and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, I'll just pray more. You'll be all right. I mean, that's a bad move. And so just like it would be for you if they came in and said, doc, I'm just depressed. 
Oh, I just let me check your heart. Well, okay, maybe your pump's not working right, but you probably need to go see a doctor, you know, someone else that has a specialty in that area. So I think through life, people don't even know why to, what questions to ask. You know, how can I ask the right questions if I've never even been told the right questions to ask? That's a good uh, so. uh, point. Coming back to the, the, the point at hand that you brought up, the moment of crisis. Yeah. Well, that's what bonds people too. So crisis true. bonds people. Yeah. Crisis causes change. Crisis bumps you to a different path. Crisis is it. Would you agree with that, Swapna? Crisis? That's, I feel like those are turning points where you really pause and reflect and yeah. then change what needs to change. It doesn't have to be traumatic. But no, it doesn't have to be traumatic. From, that, crisis is like this moment of change yeah. where you are almost ready for the next step and then you jump. Yeah. And um, it sounds like you had faith in that moment where you pulled in the parking lot and you almost had a choice whether to kind of shift towards faith or not. Or ignore it. Yes. Because I think a lot of people don't want to address it. Because like, like we were talking a minute ago, it's like, if I admit that there's a problem, then it's going to disrupt a lot of people because they are moving through the same motions. Mm -hmm. And so if I pull off my mask and say... I've got these questions. And then that person's like, oh, me too. And then the whole thing unravels, you know, <laughs> society just unravels. And it's that butterfly effect, you know. So you, and you actually mentioned reflect. And I think that is key. Because, because what you just said, you know, if you are, if you are in a moment of crisis and you don't acknowledge the crisis. Right. Because you are worried that it's going to unravel. And there is a fear that you're, you're going to be left with more questions than answers. One doesn't reflect, um, and because uh, the the you know someone could argue that the other thing you could do is you could go ask somebody, right? Mm. You could say, "Hey, listen, I'm going through this moment of crisis. Someone help me." Uh, that process at that time was not available to me because I was lying on the floor and I couldn't get up. <laughs> and would you would you have even known to do that? To do that, that's a good question. Unless you were on your back. Right now, I could say that, say I had, like the relationships I have now, since then, the relationships yeah. I have now, now I'm in a position to do that. Right. Because, um, because I've, I realized that I don't know anything. Mm. But back then I thought I knew everything, <laughs> you know? And so in that situation, you don't want to go ask somebody because you're worried that that person's going to look at you and say, what, you don't know this? <laughs> or or even if they don't tell you that, you know that they know that you don't know now. Yeah. And which is mm. ridiculous. But nonetheless, I the only option left to me at that point was to reflect. Mm. And when I reflected, I realized that I don't have the answers. And that is in some, that's sometimes dangerous because I was primed to ask the questions. And I had subsystems that allowed me to thrive. I had the physiologic needs. I had basic security. I had sense of, you know, societal connections. I had my family, I had all those things. Um, what I didn't have was self-respect and self-actualization. Mm. But I had all these other subsystems that were built in. Mm. And at that point, when I when I introspected and I hit in the moment of crisis, and I didn't have the answers, I did not uh, devolve into um, you know some sort of um, a psychotic event. Some people can have that the problem. Some sometimes introspecting without having the right tools could lead you to go 
crazy have yeah. like an anxiety attack essentially right. is what what happens but when your your physiologic systems overpower your rational thinking mm. it didn't happen to me because i was not otherwise i had a subsystem so let's just leave it at that I, you know i've not had anybody else's lived experience so i cannot tell you how someone who was going through a divorce or uh was in debt or was addled by drugs would respond to a moment of crisis. Right. I don't think that they would have the sublime reaction where they reflect and they'll come up on an answer. No, I don't no, think that would happen yeah. to them. They could probably go into a psychotic event. That's right. what could happen. And I think that happens. Uh, but that's just anecdotal to me. It's never happened to me. But nonetheless, I was I was in that process, in that reflective process. And it led me to understand a simple fact about myself that I was ignorant. And but i had enough subsystems built in where that did not lead me to have low sense of self worth i said okay i do not have the answer but i'm going to find the answer i have the tools to find the answer and that led me um to go to the first thing that i did was to look at the religious texts that exist in i was a, i'm i was a hindu i'm not religious anymore so but i i do believe in god so uh and I want to put that out there. Yeah, okay. that's fine. All right. So, uh so I was I was raised in uh, in a Hindu family. So the first thing I did was I picked up Hindu texts. I was, I'm going to read this is what is it? What does it mean to be a man? I want an answer mm. to that question. Mm. And I read um uh it's called the Mahabharat is the is a story um in 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 uh, Indian it's a, it's not necessarily it's it's you can say it's a Hindu text but it is um uh, it's a story. um and it has in it all the uh the conditions that a man could face during his life any crisis that you would go through would is in that book if there is a crisis that's not in the book that crisis doesn't exist is what it's told <laughs> so uh and in it turns out that that may be true but you need to have enough understanding to be able to kind of come up to pick out your crisis from right. the from the crisis 100000 verses yeah. it's huge it's and i went through it and i was like i didn't find any answers here it doesn't mm-hmm. tell me how to be a man it tells me one of the ways to be a man but it doesn't tell you in my feeble mind couldn't procure get the information out from what it means to be a man so okay this is not helping me um and uh, so then what else is out there so then i said okay i'm going to pick up um one so you know i'm going to try and try and read a self help book i'm going to go to self help and see if there's something in from self help from a self help standpoint and there's so much out there it's, it's you can get you can oh, get yeah. inundated oh yeah i know which one to pick up there too those are podcasts that i heard from this guy is out of uh, tulsa um and uh, he it's called the art of manliness yeah you i know? have i subscribed to it yeah brett mckay and uh and there was a and so i was like, okay fine so maybe if i listen to the he had 500 episodes or something at that point i right, don't know right. and i was like if i this is is an art of manliness is how to be a man i'm going to start episode 1 and i'm going to start going through it and it's a typical form you know you have guests who are navy seals and sportsmen and all those people people who are also like manly men and tip of the spear kind of guys right i mean if you, if yeah. from an intellectual standpoint a cardiologist is kind of the tip of the spear yeah. you know yeah. i didn't believe that i had that much to gain from listening to how i could turn myself into a man who could survive the 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 elements or you know kill somebody with my bare hands you know <laughs> ruben can do that but i, I can't do that <laughs> so i was like that's not what i'm looking for <clears throat> but uh i didn't trust his process because there was an episode in there that spoke about what's called the great conversation because heard about this mm. and um 
And what it is, is the Western philosophical thought um, is not just random outcroppings of philosophers who have suddenly just come up with their way of thinking. Like you heard, you hear about, you know, Nietzsche, heard about, you hear about Kant, uh, you know, you heard about Socrates and, and Plato and, you, you know, all of these people, you know, from St. Augustine to, you know, Aquinas, where, where, you know, are these philosophies independent of each other? Or are they connected in some way? It turns out that there's actually a single line of thought that connects the person who came up with this way of thinking all the way down to the modern day philosophers. There is a single line, a single thread, a single conversation, the great conversations that's been had since 2000 years ago to now. It starts in the, in the it starts with Hellenistic thought. It starts with uh, uh, Homeric um, epic poems, the Iliad and the Odyssey through Socratic thinking, to Platonic dialogues, to Aristotle, and you can draw a straight line from there to Freud, to Burton <laughs> Russell, to all of those guys. And I had no idea that ever existed. Yeah. As a matter of fact, similar linear thing, lines of thought exist in Vedic, that is, you know, Hinduism comes from that. Ved, Vedic is, is, is kind of the spiritual aspect, it's not the religious aspect to it. It it is it it uh, it's also present in the Dao, in Taoism. Mm -hmm. um, it is the single line of thought that kind of goes through, and and all of these ways of thinking can be triangulated to a certain time in human evolution, around three to four thousand years ago, where people started thinking a certain way, and. What ties all of these things together is uh, in in the Socratic thinking, it is the virtues, justice, temperance, courage, and wisdom. In Taoism, it's the way. It's also kind of based on similar principles. And in the Vedic principles, it's also based on similar principles. And it is, um, we knew, humans lived a certain way before that. We, I call ourselves like ants with a conscience. We did things that we were genetically programmed to do. And uh, there was always this clash between self and other because our brains are not just primitive brains. We don't just have the lizard brain. We have what's called a frontal lobe. And the frontal lobe is the largest part of our brain. And that came through evolution. It took, a, if, you, if you compare us to primitive, forms of humans, that's the difference. This difference is the frontal lobe, but that's the executive function. The more that developed, the more we developed the sense of self, the sense of consciousness that comes from it, the executive function, the more it leads to a crisis between me and you and me and the others. Actually me and someone who's unlike me. Mm -hmm. And that is what's defined humanity for, for 200,000, 400,000 years. It has been us trying to fight against them when we are all just one. We are all humans. So you're describing the difference between like groupthink and individualization. Yes. And so it also, used to be think now it's individual. And also the individual who is part of a group and 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 forms a community, a yeah. tribe. Right. There was tribalism. We are tribal. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the, it would be this tribe against the other tribe. Right. Um, but the function of the human inside of that tribe was very well defined. Every human being had a certain role that that person played within right. that tribe, right. and and uh, and 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 that person was uh, had a certain sense of self worth because of what he meant to the tribe. Mm 
but he also ha- he or she also had something that that uh created a an antagonism to someone who was not from that tribe so there was a sense of individualism that is that person that person's self worth that person's tribe and how that person spends time within that tribe and thrives with the tribe and a deep sense of animosity towards another tribe uh and a, a dislike for someone who's unlike them right right um and we've lived like that for hundreds of thousands of years and i don't know if there was any there's no written record of what their thinking was you know when you are faced with doing nothing and you have a belly full you start thinking about things right i'm sure that they <laughs> yeah. understand the, right. the these lines of thought have probably predated 5000 years but from 5000 years onwards there's actually some sort of documented evidence that we started thinking about who we are hmm. what is our role what's the meaning of life um and i was never part of that great conversation i was told instead that if you focus on math you focus on science if you know your grammar uh if you pass these exams and if you learn how the human body works you have all the answers my friend you will go on and live this you know this great life you have all mm-hmm. the metrics of your life if that were true we wouldn't be the most successful species on the planet that we are today all of what i've learned has been in the available to humans only in the last maybe 150 200 years books were not available to everybody in the 1700s or the 1800s i mean the chance that if i was born back then the chance that i would have had this education is yeah. is zero, zero yeah. pretty yeah. much right yeah. the all the information that i have in my mind till the point when i when i had my moment of crisis has not been available to 99.99% humans before that yeah and we have become the most successful species and the dominant species on the planet that means those lines of thinking are more important than this current line of thinking and that's the reason why when i was in that moment of crisis i realized i, I knew nothing mm. and the reason i knew nothing is because i never participated in the great conversation and the, the when i found out about the great conversation my it just i had to change i had a moment to change and it was a very profound change from within because i could i've i don't know if i know i, I don't have obviously i don't have all the answers yet right yeah. i still know i i just know that i that i don't know and there's yeah. a lot more that i don't even don't i don't even know that i don't know yeah. and it's a process mm-hmm. of discovery it started with me not knowing anything but it's come to a point where i can answer i can answer questions like what does it mean to be happy and you know it also sounds like a process where it started from really kind of the bottom of i don't know anything to the faith or this belief that you as you progress as you journey on this path you will find some answers and you will come to some place that is meaningful in itself so so the crisis was really you asking is this enough what you had till that point and the answer was a clear no in your head at that time and then you propelled yourself to change and evolve as you needed to in that moment mm-hmm. so i feel like this we, we have heard two points of change today one was when you described uh in that parking lot of a shift that happens in some sense because you almost need to change and mm-hmm. it's uh, it it is a moment when you were lying on the floor where you needed to change and the answer was not obvious but you that set you on a path that is 
asking questions that were different than the ones you asked before and the answers change with the questions you ask so i feel it's really i feel it's really uh exciting to hear about your journeys because we all have a story we all have these journeys that take us or bring us to this point in time where where we where we follow the path so and i have a, I have a question for you just along this path because you said something about i don't know what it's like to be a man <clears throat> something we've discussed i've discussed it with my dad i've discussed it with other men um and i don't know if swapna maybe you can speak to this about from the a female perspective but i um there's something about a man especially as a boy that gets teenager that becomes an adult that we are expecting something to happen or we become a man but then when no one ever tells us we're a man and so then we're just going through the motions um and i think part of the like indigenous culture here in the united states uh, native americans uh, central americans there's african tribes where there's this rite of passage where a community yeah. comes together and says you're a man like you did something that was expected your place in the tribe your place in the community along with um, your role, but also self-worth because you accomplished this thing, there's a stamp that says you're a man. Well, in Western culture, we don't have a rite of passage. And I don't know if you did when you were growing up either, but it's almost like we've lost part of the conversation. The great conversation talking about was, you know, if, if Socrates and Aristotle and whoever's sitting around, there was this assumption, this, this expectation that we're talking about this because you're a man. There's something that your dad did or your community did or your uncles did or Somebody did. Now, women, I'm not sure if that thought is in a woman's mind, but I know it was in my mind, and it sounds like it was in your mind. Uh, Ruben, I know, said it's in his mind. Like, there's a moment where you're like, I thought I was a man. I thought I was going to be a man by now. Hmm. And then you're not. <laughs> you don't feel like it anyway, either until someone tells you or until something happens where you're like, okay, now I am. Uh, some, so I don't know if you can speak to that. Is that something that a, that, a, that a woman would experience too? Or is it a different question? You know, I would say that women, as a woman, you have those right of passages when you become a mother or... Well, you guys the... have an indicator. Like <laughs> women have a biological indicator yeah. you're a woman. A man doesn't. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I see what you and mean. And also but... the expectations of what it means to be a man or woman are such cultural expectations as well. Yeah, like it's true. We are almost told to, <clears throat> to told to know what to think. Like it's not something that just comes. I feel like what the culture gives us is sometimes so invisible, but we carry around a cloak of the cultural expectations, and we we try to meet them because we we are trying to do the right thing and right thing is what the cultural expectations are so they are implicit expectations that are sometimes very gender based that's true so we have gender based but i wonder if the mentality is even deeper because i think it, i've actually tried to separate in my head this question from culture and there's this there's this almost like this quiet voice that's like okay i'm playing a role but i don't think i'm there yet um, and I think our culture in America, Western culture, for some reason, we let that go, you know, the, the rite of passage. And I don't know, it's meaningful because I, because I like to get around men. Uh, there's men that are in their thirties, forties and fifties that don't feel like men. And it's like, mm -hmm. you're a man. Let me tell you why. Well, and it's, it's shifting like, in their minds just by saying that, having that conversation. It's like an elusive thing though. Cause you said it's a, based on cultural expectation, what we 
like I could, you could look at me in my life here in America and say, I mean, you could say about me, yeah, you're like, you're a man. But then you drop me in a, a village in Africa and they, they may look at me and be like, this dude's not a man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, he hasn't chased down a lion and ripped its mouth open or whatever, whatever the cultural expectation of that is. Yeah. And so it's really this like, I don't know. It's a it's really elusive sure. there, There's a cultural aspect, but I've lived in a couple cultures and even been immersed in a couple cultures. And there's a common thread hmm. uh, among men. Um, women, I can't say for sure because my daughter, this is really personal, but my daughter, when she went through a life change cycle of the female anatomy, she kind of went through this thing and had her menstrual cycle. And I grabbed her and hugged her and I said, oh, baby, you're a woman now. And it was just like this moment that was obvious. A guy doesn't have that. And so it's kind of a weird, that's a strange thing that maybe that's elusive, you know, and especially if your relationship with your dad was difficult or, or you didn't have a lot of men around you. Oh, yeah. And in our, in our culture today, all over the world, you know, people are growing up without men in their lives. And so and it's a transferal. I know? didn't think of it that way, actually. That's uh, true. What Swarma brings up is such a good point. I, um, I was not looking, I, maybe I was looking for the role of a man in society. Like, you know, what does it be what does it mean to be a man was a question i asked myself mm -hmm. but were you asking human or man yeah you see i was asking more because i am a man right you see what i mean maybe you know i might i identify as male so i asked myself what what does it mean to right. be a man as opposed to the uh, the real question that i was asking myself is that what does it be what does it mean to be a human yeah hmm. Because the questions that I asked, the journey that I have been through, it's got nothing to do with me being a physician. It turns out it's got nothing to do with me being a man either. Um, it's true. And just so, being a human. Just being a human. And yeah. there's a connectivity among humanity that there's a, a level that takes away all gender mm -hmm. and it's just human. Mm -hmm. And I think that we were talking earlier about um, experiences and becoming human actually is something we've lost because mm -hmm. of celebrity, because of mm -hmm. popularity, because the people that get attention are the people that are loud and break the mold. Mm -hmm. And so we all aspire to be superhuman when actually if we bring ourselves down to human size, um, yeah. our self-worth goes up. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we lost the the ability to be, or the permission to be human, to be human size because we always have to aspire and to challenge ourselves to be more, to do more so that we can measure up. And I think, I wonder if it's less of a, like, I think cultural expectation is action-based, right? Like, because there's different expectations externally that you have when you drop yourself into a culture. Like there was, I went on a mission trip one time to um, uh, England um, to put on a camp and it was, they sat us down, they debriefed us and they said, Hey, here's a list of things that you can't say that are normal words for you, but they mean something very, very different here. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, Oh, like, Oh, okay. Like that's, that's strange. Like, cause that's part of my vocabulary. So I'll really have to check myself on that, you know? So ex like the, there's these external things that we have these expectations and it was, it's interesting. Uh, this thought popped in my head. Like it was always, it, Jesus was always like attacking the heart. And he was always saying like, yeah, here's these external external laws that you can abide by. But he goes, but I say, even if you like the whole Sermon on the Mount was <laughs> like, the law says do this. But I say, if you do these, and they were all like, they you were internal things. Yeah, they, were, they were like, if you hate your brother, you've already committed murder in your heart. And it's like, oh, 
shoot, like I've committed murder multiple times throughout my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so it's, I wonder if it's like this thing that is not, it's less about the actions that we take because you said it, being a man has very little to do with you being a physician, very little to do with your intellect, you know, and, and how smart you are or the things that you achieve in this life. But I wonder if it's something that's more a longing deep inside, like that it has to do more with character and truth telling and being honest about who we are. <laughs> yeah. The, this values based uh, thing. And that's a, well, and finding your place, I, I think that. finding your place, we mistake career with my place in this world. And I, and that's a modern thought, which mm -hmm. is I'm a physician, I'm a pastor, I'm a psychiatrist, whatever it is. And it's we think that's my place. Yeah. Well, actually there's a gifting that's deeper than that, mm -hmm. that you could, I think you'll naturally do what you're gifted at, whether you're a physician or not, you'll exercise those gifts. Because yep. I've met physicians that have terrible bedside manner, and I've met some that are just like phenomenal people, people. Well, that's internal. That's something deep down inside to your point. Um, you know, the, the New Testament, the Christian scriptures talks specifically about a body part and humanity is placed in the body for its function. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm a human and I'm trying to do something that I wasn't meant to do, I'll get frustrated, super mm -hmm. frustrated. But if I do exactly what I'm meant to do and I figure out what that is, it doesn't matter what my career is, but I'm doing what I was meant to do. Oh man, life's peaceful and well, life is full of purpose. Of purpose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And fulfillment yeah. because yeah. You, you're functioning with joy and well, and people like um, put words in Jesus's mouth. We're both pastors, and people put words in Jesus's mouth. And when he said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life," people are like, "Oh, um, Jesus is very narrow." Well, what Jesus did, like nobody else did, was have a path to walk on, and looking at the heart and the motives and the why, and asking the questions, "Who are you?" And he actually asked those questions, <laughs> "Who are you?" Yeah, you know, because you can you take you can take character like things like character and honesty and you know some of these internal things that we all that are often really hard to measure like they're intangible and you could drop it in any culture and that's yeah. valuable like to to be someone of character is valuable here in America but it's also valuable in Costa Rica and you know uh, India and all these pl these places because that's a that's a transferable trait that is like, oh, I want to be work around itself that person out differently, yeah. but the values there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's interesting. And the what's what's really cool about this conversation is there are many things cool about it. One of the cool about it essentially is that we if you look at our lives, everybody has a similar um series of events. There's a moment of crisis. We we call a moment of reckoning where then you leads you to question and then you seek the answer and then you come back stronger than what you were when you started. A lot mm -hmm. of people talk about resiliency as bouncing back because if you just come back to where you started off, that's not good enough. You need to come back stronger than where you started off. Agreed. And that's what the moment of crisis, if done right, leads you to, in a position of strength. You're stronger for it. Um, but not all moments of crises actually lead to strength. I was fortunate that I asked the questions and I went down this path of um, of uh, inquiry. Because a lot of folks, you know, you heard of a midlife crisis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you think about all the ways someone deals with a midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah. You know, because this Cost you lots of money yeah. and lots of relationships. <laughs> you know, I'm a, Red corridor away, yeah, right? Yeah, from yeah. making a bad decision. My point is that um, that the, the, there's no difference between that that 
have nothing against Corvettes or whatever people right. buy yachts or whatever they want to <laughs> yeah. do. They have power to them if they want to do it. But there's no difference between that person. Before we judge that person and say, you know, you know, this whatever 60-some-year-old is driving around with a new wife now in a Corvette. You know, before you judge that person, you know, I am that person. For sure. Um, the only difference was it was good fortune that led me to ask myself the questions and turn toward philosophy as opposed to looking at, you know, looking to bring about a different kind of change. You know, my, you know, my job is not enough. I'm going to get a new job. My my family is not good enough. I'm going to get a new family for myself. My house mm -hmm. is not, my car is not. People do that all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I have no data to support this, but it's very unlikely that that person who's driving around in that Corvette with this new wife actually feels fulfilled. Mm. Uh, if mm. Corvettes led to fulfillment, humans would have never had fulfillment till a Corvette was invented. Yeah, back in the 70s, we'd all be fulfilled. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting thought. Can you fabricate crisis to help someone get there? Or is that something you think oh, life brings your question, way to question. just when it's time? It's a great question. And I think that's the reason why we have to just wait for people to to come to a point of crisis and ask the right question. And that's mm. the reason why indoctrination doesn't help. Right. I can stand in front of a, an 18 year old and give them all of my wisdom, you know, about how money is not the key to happiness and that, you know, don't worry about what other people think about you and that a Corvette is not gonna make you happy. But that person is gonna roll that the eyes at me and cause I rolled my eyes at someone when that, oh, when yeah. that person tried to oh, do yeah. it to me. Um, hmm. And it is, it, everybody has to go through the journey. And this is what Swapna was talking about. Everybody has to have, yeah. they have their own journey. But a, but what we can, we cannot tell them other people how to think, but what we can tell them is, hey, you're gonna come upon a moment of crisis. It's gonna happen. Uh, it's probably happened to you before. And it's gonna happen to you several times. And you have a choice when you come to that moment of crisis. You can choose at that point in time to get engrossed, to take up CrossFit, uh, or, you could, or you could participate in a conversation. Mm. Mm. You have that choice. Yeah. The tools are there, and let me let me tell you what those tools are. Don't read them. Don't participate in it. You know, um, if you're not ready. But when you are, know that those tools exist. That's the conversation that probably I never had. No one told me that these tools exist. Yeah. What they, what my understanding was that the angst that I felt was because I was not there yet. I hadn't, I hadn't, ma I didn't make it, and that's the reason why I was feeling bad. Once I make it, then right. I'll start feeling good. Right. But that is not. I don't believe that to be the story of life. One of your stories, interesting, because you had an, you had an angst. You tried to fix the angst with physical activity, which the physical activity caused physical pain, <laughs> which brought you back to the original angst. Yeah. So the physical connected to the existential actually, like it brought you back. And I, and I kind of think people try to fix the wrong part of the human body or the, the human experience, physical, mental, uh, spiritual, you know, try to fix this with this. And they'll always end up pointing back to each other because the holistic person needs if it's a spiritual problem, deal with it spiritually. If it's a mental problem, deal with it mentally. If it's a physical problem, deal with it physically. I mean, so then brings brings us back because that's a, that's a great point that you brought up. Uh, you know, if uh, can a man be free in prison? For sure. Right, 
And so the answer to that question is yes. And the question in itself though is an an oxymoron, right? Yeah. 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 Right, a contradiction. I wouldn't ask me. Sounds right though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a contradiction built in, in of itself. If you're 18, you would look at that question and say, what are they talking about? <laughs> no, no, a person yeah. is in prison, the person is in prison. Uh, there's no freedom there. Yeah. Uh, but Nelson Mandela will tell you that a man can be free in prison. Uh, and finding your place and making a difference for the rest of history. You can thrive in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi would tell you you can thrive in prison. Yeah. Martin Luther King will tell you they can thrive in prison. Victor Frankl, I don't know if you read that book. Victor Frankl will tell you man's search oh, for meaning. You're right. So good. Right? That so the, yeah, I agree. Profound suffering, you could still look at beauty. Yeah. Because the and choice rests within. Yeah. And so when you come to a moment of crisis, if you choose to get involved in some sort of physical exertion, that is not the answer. Right. That is never going to be the answer. Because, you know, another way out of my predicament was, yeah, I go see a spinal surgeon and figure out what's going on with my back. And okay. I'm, I'm back at the gym and I'm lifting weights. I'm stronger than ever. And my story the same story could have been, you know what? CrossFit is best. is 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 the is the is the answer. Just make sure you have a good spine surgeon, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the story you hear. It's true. It's true. You you see the same story in sports. You see the same story in movies. You see this person who meets physical failure, and comes back around. The story that is th- that they talk about is the the moment of crisis is dealt with perseverance through the same action. They just get stronger and then they come back up and they win. I've never seen that story in real life. Um, The change that needs to happen is in the soul. So when you say that there is a mind and then there's a body and then there's a soul, there is the soul and that is it. Because you can be, they did this experiment. (laughs) This is a a happiness experiment. (laughs) What they did was they interviewed people who had a motor vehicle crash and now they are quadriplegic. That means they are, they have paralysis neck below. And they asked them how happy they were at the moment that happened. You know, they're now they're recuperating in a hospital. You could imagine what must be going through someone's mind. I can't even imagine what must be going through their mind. And and they say that, you know, whatever their happiness level is just in the dumps. And uh, they interview people who just found out they won a lottery, big sums of money. And they ask them what their happiness level is. You can imagine it's through the roof, right? Yep. And then, they interviewed the same people sometime later, six, eight, 10 months down, I forget nothing. They, they did certain series mm-hmm. and guess what they found? They come together in certain mm-hmm. situations. The quadriplegic is happier than the guy who won the lottery. Mm-hmm. So because it's deeper. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. Well, this is it's, temporary. I mean, life it's is temporary. Soul. It's, it's short. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the soul. If you have a soul that is enriched, you can survive. You can survive any sort of physical or mental trauma. And obviously this goes, I'm not talking about deviations in rational thinking. If you are, if you are, if you are, Psychotic. If you have, you know, right. any of those things, which you, you so I'm not going to answer. Yeah, if you need medication, yeah, you can get for on the uh, yeah, yeah, then you know, if this you, soul has to go to the bathroom. So unless you guys keep talking, <laughs> and, uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> so that situation, then obviously awesome. that needs to be addressed. But if you have the ability to think rationally, um, you know, you're of sound mind. Um, I think the soul trumps uh, the physical, um, the the embodiment. So how do you? 
is there a way that you can be intentional about positioning yourself to meet people in a in a moment of crisis, like without fabricating it, right? Because um, Ray was talking about it, it. Should we fabricate moments of crisis to bond one another? And I don't know that you can even do that. Like you can't fake a moment of crisis. You're either in a moment of crisis or you're not, <laughs> right? But like I specifically, I worked for eight years, uh, almost eight years as a student pastor. And then now uh, my role here is part part of what I do is I'm around students and I um, help lead to in different capacities. It looks different than it, than it did at our previous ministry, but... Um, Students, you get so frustrated. You know, you talk about the 18-year-old and you're just like, you, sometimes you just want to grab them by the face and like look at them in the eye and say, don't you get it? Yeah, you know, no, I but, understand perfectly. But I didn't get it, right? Like, I mean, when I was, I, I look back, I have to remind myself, I look back on my high school years. Oh, oh man, I was so stupid. Oh. I did just, oh, some, yeah. just some dumb stuff, you know, even in college. And then now as an adult, you process things differently and you go through different things. Um, and I, I just wonder, like, my one of my biggest things, and I think I came on this accidentally, and so it's lining up with everything that you're saying. And there's some things in my mind that are, I'm reconfirming is, like, I just – I told our student leaders all the time, I said, presence in people's lives is – I wouldn't say it's everything, but how important it is just to be present in people's lives. Because unless I'm present in someone's life, I'll never have the opportunity to walk through a moment of crisis with them because I'm not I'm not involved in their life. And so you walk through those moments of just like, oh, don't you get it? To get to the place where you have buy-in and investment in their life so that when they do hit that moment of crisis, you're there. Yeah, and you know, one can also not fabricate the moment of crisis, but encourage being authentic, being real, asking questions, mm -hmm. saying the quiet part out loud, having this conversation. And those are kind of maybe the lights that can guide the person who may not be at that place to come to a crisis or ask those questions. But just having this open conversation about there is more to things or there are there are different ways of looking at things could be could, could be the open ended window that you need hmm. when you are when you are kind of following your own path. Sounds good. It yeah. is uh, definitely uh, if if you could crack that, how do you get a young mind who's not made the mistake to not make the mistake. <laughs> Is that even possible? Yeah, I don't even know. Well, I think and, that takes, well, you don't yeah. know what you don't know. Do you, you want them right to, there. do you want them to not make the well, mistake? Well, I think you need to I think yeah. we need to ask different questions. Mm -hmm. And I think you can you can set the stage with different questions. Instead of what do you want to be, who are you? Simple. But it makes the thinking and like I don't want you to ask me who I am because I really don't like who I am. I want to be this because I don't like what I see inside. Or I don't you know? want you to know who I am. I, yeah, I don't want to be vulnerable enough for, you, for yeah. you to know who I really am. Those are all yeah. very fair answers though, yeah. right? Yeah, As are. a matter of fact, they don't have yeah. even have to answer. Even when they give you that look, like, man, that are you out of your mind? You ask me that question. You have created a neural pattern that they are going to think about. They can't help it. 
Yeah. The the what you get on the outside of somebody who's unsure on the inside <laughs> is the exact opposite of what they feel on the inside. That's good, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, the guy who's 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 being aggressive on the outside is feels like a wimp on the inside. Quiet confidence is the sign that yeah. you are actually confident on the inside. You know, the guy, the 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 the, the macho, the guy who's kind of <laughs> leaning into you is probably scared on the inside. You That's true. To, you know, I just give Ruben a look like this sometimes. And he's like, <laughs> 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 that creates neural pathways. I just kind of look at him. It's bad because we know each other really well. So. <laughs> and, then, and then he uses my weaknesses. And, and then I use it against twists. him. So, oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> he grinds my so, gears. Yeah, we, we started playing pickleball recently. And uh, Ruben is good at pickleball, uh, like, and uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not as good as he is, but I did clobber him yesterday. It's a fun game. You, oh, okay, fun. this is the second day in a row you brought so, this up. I gotta bring it up, man. Forget it tomorrow. I looked at you, and I just remembered. <laughs> Jack <Wagon>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm about to have, to have to leave to pick up my kid from school, but um, um, I want to wrap up the conversation. But awesome, Anish, so well, good to you. get to know you, and and we want we need to yeah. have you back and have Eddie back, and or have Eddie come for the first time, yeah. and uh, of course Swapna. Always great to see you. Thank you so, so much for having me. You were me. obviously quiet this time. So I you was were letting quiet. Somebody else talk. I, I, yes. Very yes. I, <laughs> our, our, our listeners are going to be like, what? It's a quiet confidence. You know? what is, oh, the quiet she confidence. Knows, there she knows you who go. she is. You know? <laughs> uh, no, but this is awesome. I really appreciate you connecting us and and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep the conversation going. Um, great questions. And I think these are a conversation that we all need to, we need to take some reflection and some moment of reflection. So if you're listening to this podcast, you've hung out with us this whole time. Um, just take some moments to actually think and, and question, who am I? Um, and actually reflect on your experience, you know, your human experience. What is it? And I wonder if there's some moments of crisis that some people have just worked through and didn't actually take advantage of them. And so maybe that's what this podcast will help um, all of us do is to reflect a little mm -hmm. bit on those moments that that we kind of skipped by. Um, I was up in the mountains of Colorado trying to have my own little personal moment and some lady came up and <laughs> started messing with me and uh, and I could have ignored her or embraced the moment and it's uh, it's been an awesome journey. So It's been an awesome journey. Yeah, it really has. Well, so. thank you. Thank yeah. you, Anish, for talking and yes. contributing to the great conversation. Yeah. You may not want yeah. anybody to get a hold of you, but at least tell us how to find your podcast and uh, how they can... Uh, at least hear more about from you. Sure, sure. So the the podcast is Resiliency Rounds. It's yeah. on all the. We'll put uh, a link in our in our notes. Yeah. That'll be awesome. That'll be good, guys. Um, so yeah, uh, if you want, you can hear more about us and awesome. and uh, learn more about what we have to say on the podcast for sure. First of all, thank you guys for having me. This yeah. was great. So thank you for getting us Thanks introduced. In. No, this is fun. A lot of fun. Enjoy always interacting with new people and people to think. I like to think. We like to think and. Have a little fun along the way. So yeah. And secondly, it goes to show that you know you can build community and you can build friends. It doesn't take much. You know, you just need to have an open conversation. Love yeah, it. Very Love cool. it. Well, my name is Ray, and I'm Ruben. Swapna. Anish. And this is the Rabbit Hole Ramble, where we rambled on in philosophy, which is awesome. <laughs> so, and it's the podcast where we say the, the quiet, quiet part, part out loud. loud. Nice. Peace. <laughs> yeet. Ruben has been trying his exit, and he's saying yeet. And then he adds a whole bunch of stuff. Don't steal no. my thunder. Come on. <laughs> <Deuce>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Deuces. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can have that one. I'll give you I'll give you that one. <laughs> I don't know.